Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Well, one of the issues that is really front and center and very significant, and we're going to talk about it in the next hour, as I said, with a, with a guest from Germany, is energy and our energy supply and, and how we create energy, store it, and how we distribute it. Dr. Chris Keeler is the president of Canadians for Nuclear Energy. He's a doctor in Toronto. And uh, we've talked before, and Canadians for Nuclear Energy engaged in pre-budget advocacy with Liberal and Conservative members of Parliament calling for a reversible of the Government of Canada's Green Bond decision, which excludes nuclear energy and actually includes it alongside arms manufacturing, tobacco, alcohol, and gambling activities. Dr. Kiefer, good to have you with us. It's not a, not a neighborhood you want to be in. <laughs> Roy, it's a pleasure uh, being back. Thanks so much for having me on. And absolutely, it's uh, it's a very strange uh, characterization and mixing of nuclear with uh, the so-called thin stocks that you just mentioned there. Um, and I, I'm happy to make the case as to why that's uh, such a such an unforgivable error for this government to have made. Well, why don't we just get to the basics and tell us, please, what's the argument for nuclear energy? Because as soon as I say nuclear energy, I can guarantee you I'll get emails from people saying, well, what about the nuclear plant in Japan? And what about the Russian threats on uh, nuclear plants in Ukraine? What about the safety of nuclear? Please tell us talk to talk about that. Well, I mean, let's let me start off by uh, engaging with the, uh, the positives and then let's talk about the challenges afterwards. But you know, in terms of why, why do we need nuclear energy? Why, especially at this moment in history? Um, first of all, a lot of people think this is a, a highly controversial area, and, and it is, I think, in the public. There's a lot of environmental NGOs with large budgets that spend a significant amount of their time um, fighting against nuclear energy. But amongst serious scientists, uh, even amongst client scientists, the, the IPCC, all of their illustrative decarbonization pathways call for an increase in nuclear energy. But if that's not good enough for you, we have the experience right here at home in Canada, more specifically in Ontario, um, where we achieved uh, what has been called the greatest greenhouse gas reduction in North America with the phase out of our, our coal fleet here in Ontario. Um, so there, there's, a, there's a couple of good reasons for it. I have many more. I mean, for me, I'm a medical doctor, um, and medical isotopes uh, really enable modern healthcare. They provide a sterile environment for us, and Canada produces... Uh, more than 50% of the world's cobalt-60, which is used to sterilize uh, more than 40% of the world's single-use medical instruments. So there's many, many reasons why nuclear is, is really essential for climate change, for clean air, and for things as simple as, as modern sterile healthcare. And so the characterization of nuclear alongside gambling, for God's sakes, you know, it's a real insult. And so we, we launched a petition which became in the top 3% of all 465 petitions launched this year. We got over 10,000 signatures. And I think it was a real rejection by Canadians um, of, of this kind of language, of this kind of mischaracterization of a technology that is so vitally important at this, at this time in our history. 
Yeah, I, w- I would agree with you just on a very personal level. And I've done a little bit of layman's uh, investigative work on, uh, on nuclear over the years, and I'm certainly supportive of it. But if you have a federal government that does exactly what you said, lumps it in with arms manufacturing, tobacco, alcohol, and gambling, you don't have a federal government that has a very positive view of nuclear energy, it seems. So you went to Ottawa, and you met with liberal and conservative members of parliament, and I saw a YouTube film of you, you uh, with a uh, conservative MP who's supportive of you, but generally, what was your sense? Were they actually paying attention to what you said, or did you get lip service? No, I, I thought it was a pretty incredible reception, actually, by both the conservatives and the liberals. Um, as you mentioned, I had a press conference on West Block and Parliament Hill with MP Cory Tucker, who was kind enough uh, to sponsor our petition, again, which uh, was an extraordinarily successful uh, petition. These House of Commons petitions they actually get read on the floor of the House, and the government's mandated to write a response. So that's uh, a very exciting kind of democratic tool. Um, but meeting with the Liberals is also actually very interesting. And I think that um, Minister Gilboa is, is quite isolated in taking this very hard-line position against nuclear energy, because I spoke to about 25 MPs. I actually got to speak to two cabinet ministers, uh, the Honourable Karina Gould, uh, as well as our Minister of Defence, Anita Anand. Um, And they're all very, very positive about nuclear energy. So I think the government's just a little bit confused. There's a bit of contradiction. They are making some money available for innovation uh, with some advanced nuclear technologies. Uh, But I think our petition really, really put the heat on. There's been a lot of discussion going on in the Liberal caucus, and while we didn't get exactly what we asked for, which is the inclusion of uh, nuclear within the green bond, um, the government did in their budget that was announced the next day um, include nuclear within the mandate of the Canada Infrastructure Bank. So we felt that, um, you know, the last month of advocacy and, and the petition and all the media work we've done and the political engagement um, really has started to pay off. Okay. As in everything else, and particularly these days, you go to the last page, bottom right-hand corner, and you look at the cost of whatever project you're engaged in. So what's the cost reality of creating, building nuclear plants, uh, large, small, in between, and uh, providing the uh, the energy requirements that our society uh, has? Is it doable? How expensive it is? How, how quickly can it be done? Well, you know, in Canada and Ontario specifically, we built 20 large candy reactors in 20 years. And this was without the the driver of climate change saying, hey, we need to take this seriously. We need to really mobilize as a society. This was just adding more capacity to our grid because we were hungry for more electricity um, in that time frame. Um, you know, nuclear, uh, it, it provides the, the second cheapest source of electricity on the Ontario grid right after hydro. Um, you know, gas is quite a lot expensive and wind and solar are, are much more expensive uh, than nuclear is. Um, and we made that generational investment. But what I'm saying is that we're freeloading on the infrastructure of our ancestors here who built the great hydrogens and who built these nuclear facilities, um, which give us some of our cheapest power. Um, but this generation needs to stand up if we're serious about tackling climate change. Because, you know, there's a very interesting report put out by Clean Energy Canada last year. And the scale of what we need to do to decarbonize, even partially, right? Most of our emissions are, are from transportation, heating, buildings. Electricity is actually not a big part of it. But in order to... Uh, electrify and decarbonize these sectors, we need to grow our grid uh, dramatically, uh, even doubling it, which, you know, to make that um, that, that makes sense to your listeners, that's the equivalent of adding 113 Site C dams or 96 large candor reactors. You know, we've only built 20 candor reactors in Ontario in 20 years, so we have an enormous uh, scale of infrastructure built ahead of ourselves, 
And we need to invest our money in ways that are going to do the best for the Canadian economy. And that's, I think, why, you know, I really think of nuclear as being the ultimate economic stimulus. Because yeah. we, have a, we have a 96% made in Canada supply chain. Every dollar invested, we know this from independent economic analysis of the Darlington refurbishments, but every dollar we invest in Canada nuclear returns a dollar forty in GDP. So, you know, we, we've been spending a lot, you know, we, to, to not... To, to, to combat the COVID epidemic, you know, there's controversy around that, but um, arguably we've been needing to spend quite a bit of money. We can't do that forever. Um, so we need to make sure that the, the money we do spend, we spend it very wisely and that we really follow the evidence on this. So if um, we go new, if we build nuclear, if I can just go back to the point that you made, if we build nuclear, 96% of the supply chain is domestic in Canada. Yes? Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, if, if you want to compare that to the other options on the table, like wind and solar, which have huge issues with intermittency, I mean, the sun sets, the wind doesn't blow, and often the wind doesn't blow and we need the power the most on those hot, muggy days when all the air conditioners are running. But beyond that, where are the solar panels manufactured? Where are those base ingredients manufactured, like polysilicon? It's almost all overseas, mostly in China, right? And so when we spend a dollar on, uh, on a set of solar panels, 96 cents of that stays overseas. We don't see that benefit. And I think Russia's, this Russian aggression in Ukraine and the geopolitical implications of energy are looming really large now. I mean, what happens if China decides to take Taiwan? Right? They're a nuclear power. Our, uh, our, our only real response can be sanctions. And we've offshored so much of our heavy industry and supply chains there. We're kind of up, uh, up that, that creek that we like to talk about without a paddle. Um, and so Canada really needs to uh, make a, a solid investment in developing its own energy infrastructure, not being dependent on others, because energy is the secret ingredient in everything. And you're mentioning the food crisis, which is coming upon us now. I mean, fundamentally, that's an energy crisis as well. Um, you know, natural gas is a vital feedstock to fertilizer. Right. Um, and we, are, we shouldn't be burning natural gas for baseload. We need that for, for more valuable things like fertilizer. Well, I, I talked about Germany. I can talk about Germany again for just a moment because I just found this morning from German national media that in the first six months of 2021, it was it was coal that accounted for 27 percent of the creation of electricity in Germany. 27 percent. It was the largest uh, component contributor to the creation of electricity in Germany. Wind was 22%, down from 29 And the reason wind was 22%, they say, is because the wind didn't blow much in the first six months of 2021, so they had nothing to go to. So what do they do? They burn coal. You're, you're exactly right. And so a lot of people talk about, you know, fancy modeling that shows we can do things, you know, with 100%, you know, wind and solar energy and batteries and things like that. I mean, reality always trumps models. And we've really run this experiment now. Um, Germany has spent over $500 billion on a mostly wind and solar-based energy transition where they shut off their nuclear fleet. And you're, you're, you're right. There was, uh, there's not just this variability by season or by day in terms of the wind, also over years. And they had an extreme weather event, which was not a hurricane. It was just that the wind didn't blow at all. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.